New Year, do you feel a new uh, oomph about you? Yeah, I don't feel it either. Um, so what I decided to do was what could we do, what could we, we need to remember what we've done. So for the next three minutes, instead of me telling you what we've done in 2019, I'm going to show you. So here's all that we did in 2019 here at the church. been a busy 2019, has it not? And uh, we want to continue to remember that we need to love God ourselves, we need to share the gospel, and we need to continue to love the church. So 2020 is, uh, I'm taking a long view for 2020, all right? So I've never done this before, but I've got an idea. And so I'm try I've had a couple weeks to think this through, and uh, a couple more weeks to think it through. So I have one big theme for 2020 on what I'm going to be teaching on on Sunday mornings, and that is discipleship. So when we end, when we sit in here in 2021, 
Just think about that for a minute. In 12 months, when we sit here again on January whatever it is, on the first Sunday of the month in 2021, I want to be able to say to you, this is what a disciple of Christ looks like. So what we're going to do is we're going to break down what that means. We're going to look at our attitudes. We're going to look at how do we interact with our culture? How do we share our faith? How do we defend our faith? How do we handle the word of God? How do we handle one another? And so then by the time you look back at 2020, if you put all these messages together, you're going to be able to say, this is what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ. So that's, that's the long view. So that's every week. You want to know what we're talking about? Discipleship. But I'm going to try to be creative. So the first seven weeks, we're going to walk through Revelation chapters 2 and 3, and we're going to look at our attitude, all right? So we got our verse uh, for the month, which will be six weeks. And I, I looked at it. I don't have it all done, but I figured that I have six message themes throughout the year. All right, six major themes. So I'm going to do a verse for each theme. So you're going to, by the end of 2020, if you walk with me through this, you're going to have memorized six verses. So you have six or seven weeks. I don't, I don't remember how many churches there are in Revelation, if there's six or seven. You have six or seven weeks to memorize Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. All right, so if you want to put this, yeah, there's seven. Thank you, there's seven. If you want to put this on a note card, put it on your refrigerator, put it on your dashboard, put it on your mirror, put it on your phone, put it wherever you want to see it. This is going to be our verse and our theme for, Philippi uh, for the next seven, seven weeks. All right, Philippians 2, 5. Would you say it referenced verse and then the reference, all right? Philippians 2, 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, 5. All right, so I asked the, the question here, what is discipleship? What is the long view, all right? What do I, as your pastor, want you to see when we get through with discipleship, all right? Two themes, two books I read that really have stirred my soul to make this happen. First of all, discipleship, it's, not, it's about a direction, not a destination. Because you and I are never going to arrive this side of heaven. But we need to continue to go, okay, what's my goal? My goal is to be more like Christ. The next seven weeks, my goal is to be more like Christ in my attitude. The second one is, and they're both by Daniel M. He wrote a book, it's called No Silver Bullet. He said, discipleship seen through a directional lens is about setting out our eyes on Christ and continue, continually moving toward him. Our goal is not to focus on the person on your right, on your left, or even the pastor. Your goal in discipleship is to look towards Christ and say, what do I not have that Christ has? And what can I do to make that happen? That is, that is where we're coming for 2020. The good news is I've told you all about what 2020 is about. Now we're going to be able to be creative and look at God's word and be challenged and be changed. All right, so that's where we're going because we're not looking at a destination. We're looking at a direction. All right, we're going to get there when we get there, and we won't get there this side of earth. All right, so let's go ahead. Let's look at Revelation chapter 2. I had to figure out what does an attitude mean. All right, I, have, I talk about it all the time. You have a bad attitude. People tell me you had a bad attitude today. Sometimes in my house I hear, you got a bad attitude. Well, first of all, I don't have a bad attitude. You just have bad hearing and a bad perception. But what is attitude? Attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something. 
you think and feel about something or someone a certain way. Some of you, you have a good attitude. You always look up. Some of you, you are the opposite. Nobody can ever do right, but you have a settled way in your mind. You think these things through about someone or something. We sh typically show that behavior or that attitude in our behavior. Typically, I'll pick on one certain age group, anywhere from 13 to 18, they have a bad attitude. And then you know what the 13 to 18 year olds old say, say about us that are older, basically 15 over? They're just stuck in their ways and they have a bad attitude. We think about that about each other because we have a settled way of thinking and doing things. That is what happens when we walk into Christ. We need our attitude to be that same mindset as Christ. All right, so we're going to the church in Ephesus, all right? I promise to get you out of here by 12.30 because we have nothing to get home for, right? There's nothing, there's nothing to get home for today, all right? There's no more football on till August. Good. We're going to the church in Ephesus. This is what we believe the church in Ephesus is about. A quote <clears throat> from the study Bible, the New Living Translation study Bible. If I'm going to offend you, I'm going to offend you right off the bat, all right? They say this. The church in Ephesus addresses tradition-bound Christians who are faithful but have lost their early, zealous love for Christ and each other. They're so wrapped up in their traditions, they're so wrapped up in what they do that they forget about love. They're so wrapped up in what their hands do, what their feet do, about the busyness of it, that they forgot love. Now, when we were first married, <clears throat> Holly and I would go out to date on dates, and we would look at people that were older than us. You're thinking, what's the age? I'm not telling you age. You fill that in. And, and when we were first married and even dating, we could not help but touch each other. Not in a negative way, not in a dishonoring way, but we could not help but just, we ordered our meal and then we would hold hands as the waitress would go and get the order. We would sit in church together and beloved, there wasn't enough room for the Holy Spirit. And then what happened is we got married and then we started to make room for the Holy Spirit. And then we started to, uh, if you will, check our phones, or we started to play the board games that are at the Cracker Barrel, and we started to look around and make up stories about other people. And then we would see these people that were older in age, and they would order their meals, they would put the menus down, and they would just stare at each other and say nothing. And then what would happen is we'd say to each other, that's never going to happen to us. And what happens in our relationship and our discipleship with Christ is we get so focused on what we do, we forget about the love. And our love grows cold. It happens in our earthly relationships. It certainly can happen in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is the complaint that Jesus has to the church in Ephesus. This is a fascinating story because it coincides with our study on Sunday nights as we walk through the book of Ephesians. So I'm going to cram eight messages into one, so hopefully the pot roast will stay, okay? So if you want to, if you want to learn something we're in the back of your bulletins, this is how Christ deals with the church in Ephesus or with the Ephesus church. It is really interesting. 
I almost took this in a different direction. So I'm going to preach two messages in one text, all right? So if you want to have a second message is how do you handle conflict? Because we all wake up and have conflict. So look at how Christ handles his church, but also look at how he handles and how he deals with conflict because you and I are going to have conflict with one another, with each other, with another person, and with, the, with others. How do we handle conflict, okay? Let's look at verse 1. Let's look at the authority, if you're taking notes, in the back of your bulletin. The authority. Someone has to be able to say something. To the angel of the church at Ephesus write. This comes across and says, hey, I've got something important to say. Are you writing this down? Are you taking notes this morning? Because this is important stuff. Is really another way of saying. Sometimes <clears throat> we have said it, we've taken the 2020 version and said, would you look at me with your face and put down your phone because I've got something to say to you that I need your attention. Look at me when I'm talking to you and listen to me with your face. If we wanted to put a modern translation to this. Jesus is saying, angel, take your pen and write this down because this is important. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Well, who is that? That's Jesus. Why seven? Seven is the number of completion. It is the number of, com of perfection. There are seven days in creation. There are seven days in the, the week. It is a day, it's a month of completion. It's a, it's a sign of completion. Who holds completion? Well, Jesus does. He's the one that has the right to speak this truth. He also has the right because he died for the church. He went and sacrificed his life for the church. So the man that holds the seven stars in his hand, who walks in the midst of the seven, see this key theme again, seven completion, golden lampstands. The lampstands were light and they illuminate. This is the favor of God. I would dare say this morning is, who would like to not have the favor of God? Who would like to stand up this morning and say, I hope God punishes me all of 2020? You all didn't move. I would dare submit to you this morning and say, who would like the favor of God? Who would like God to shower blessings upon you? We would all rise in unison, would we not? Because we want the favor of God. So the angel sitting there, Jesus, who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks amongst the lampstands, the favor of God, he is the one that says this. He's the one that has the authority because he sees it all. He says this because he has the authority. The second one is what is going well. All right, so if we're going to walk through conflict, <clears throat> don't get involved in someone else's conflict. Well, Ernest, did you know that Cindy's mad at you? That's not my place to talk about that. That's not my job because it's not with me. Your beef is not with me. It's with Cindy and Cindy with you. I don't need to get involved. <clears throat> so if you want to make a New Year's resolution for 2020, keep your nose in your own business. Came across harsh. I didn't mean that to be harsh. But make sure you stick and have the authority over the things you have authority with. When you have to confront someone, tell them what's going well. You ever have someone, you, you just know the other shoe was going to drop. I'm the one that, I want the bad news first because I know good news is coming. But Jesus says, here's what is going well. Let's look at these scriptures, all right? A lot of yellow we're going to talk about. <clears throat> Verses 2 and 3. He says, Jesus is speaking, he says, I know your works. 
So this church that he writes to in Ephesus, he sees what they're doing. He understands, he observes what they are doing. They are working for him. They're doing good things for him. They are laboring for him. They are busy about the good things. They are busy about the Lord's work. Sometimes what happens is we're just busy to be busy, and we're not busy about the right things. Is that just me, or you have that struggle too? I have that struggle. Sometimes I get busy. I'm like, what I do? I don't know, but I was busy all day. Let's be busy about the right things. He says, not only are you working and are you laboring, but you're patient. You're a patient people. You continue to persevere. All right, we need to be patient people. Randy talked about it in Sunday school. Did an excellent job about commitment in 1 Timothy chapter 2. We need to be patient with one another. You need to be patient with me. I need to be patient with you. We need patience. The church in Ephesus, they are a patient people. Are we patient? I don't know. I don't know if we're patient. I'm not patient. I'm not. But we are called to be patient. This church is patient. This church is doing things that are well. All right, he says, you cannot bear with those who are evil. They don't have fellowship with people that are leading them away from God and his word. They say, we want to reach out to you, but we will not have fellowship with you. So they know who they need to stick with, they know who they don't need to stick with, and they make that line in the sand. Sounds like they're doing pretty well, right? This is a pretty good thing they're doing. Are you with me? Yes, this is good. This is good. He says, you have tested those who are the apostles and those who are not. Interesting, the early church, they didn't have a copy of God's word as you and I have a copy of God's word. So Paul, uh, John, in this instance, he would take this book that, Paul, that John wrote, and someone would stand up to the church. They would gather together in one room. They didn't have multiple copies. They had one, and they would read it. And then what they would say is that they would have people come in and they would give a false doctrine. And the church said, that's not what Paul said. That's not what Timothy said. That's not what the other apostles have said. You leave. Get out. Do you think that was easy? No. Have you ever had to tell someone to leave your house? Maybe that's a good thing for you. But, but it's difficult to tell someone, leave. I don't want to have fellowship with you. This early church, what did they do? They tested what every single person came through and said, I'm an apostle of Christ. You know what they said? Does it match up with God's word? They were in God's word. They read God's word. They loved God's word. They obeyed God's word. They worked for God's and his word. Look what else they did on the screen. They, verse 3, and you have persevered and you have patience. Again, with the patience. So first of all, they had trying times. As a church, it was not easy. They faced persecution. They faced tough times, but they persevered. It wasn't just when the church and things were going well that they stuck with it. It was through the tough times that they stuck with it. And it is really easy to be in a great marriage when things are going well. It's really easy to be in a relationship when things are going well. It's when the hard times come that it really tests the strength of your relationship. And so he says, you have been persevering and you have patience. You have labored for my namesake. You have done things well. 
you continue to work for me, and you haven't become tired. I would almost look into this and read, this and read into this and say they haven't begun to grumble. They're asking for someone to shovel the snow. Why don't they go out and shovel the snow themselves? They're always asking, 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 asking. They didn't grumble. They didn't grow weary. They kept their eye on the long view of it and said this is for the furtherance of the gospel of Christ. Look at all they did. If I could, if I would walk up there, I'd show you they worked, they labored, they were patient, they took out the evil from the church. They tested the apostles. They looked at God's word. They read it. They applied it. They persevered. They were patient. They labored, and they did not grow weary. That is what the church did well. An application that's not in your bulletin at the end is, are you doing well? As you roll into 2020, as you look at 2019, New Year's resolutions are still being made. It's never too late. It's never too early. If you look at this, if you take out the eyes and you take out the yours and put your name in, Jesus says, Tom, I know Tom's works, Tom's labor, Tom's patience. Oh, got to work on that one, 2020. That you cannot bear those who are evil. Tom, that you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. Tom, are you reading my word? That you found them to be liars. Tom, are you persevering? Are you patient? Tom, are you laboring for Jesus' name and not to make your name known? Oh, wow, look at how busy he is. Look how great he is. Look at all that he's doing. Tom, are you not becoming weary in doing what I've called you to do? You put your name in there. And you read that, you reflect on that, you meditate on that, and you go, where am I doing good? Where do I need to grow? Because you're not looking at me saying, what is Tom doing? You're not looking at the person beside you saying, what are they doing? You're looking at Jesus and saying, what has Jesus called me to do? Because my attitude needs to be the same as that of Jesus Christ. But you know, if there's something going right, there's things that need to change. So he's boosted them up, not enough not in a fun way just to cut him down, but he's told him what he's doing right. If I tell you 10 things, nine of them are positive, one of them's negative, what are you going to remember? The one negative. I, I think that's human condition. You're going to remember the one thing that stuck in you or was a thorn in your side. And so Jesus says, you know, I have the authority. This is what you're doing well. Look at it. I, mean, I don't know how many are there. Eight, nine things that he says, this is what you're doing well. And he talks about one thing that needs to change. He says, nevertheless, but, however, I have this against you. For conflict to happen, there has to be truth told. Is Jesus doing this out of spite? No. He's doing it because he loves them. Because he sees something in them that they don't necessarily see in themselves that they need to change. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Some translations say, your love has grown cold towards one another. And I sat at my desk for a while, and I thought, what makes love grow cold? And I thought about our earthly relationships, and I thought about the times that Holly and I go out, and we look at different people, and we look at different relationships, and we, we look at them and say, wonder what happened. So these are some of the things I have. They're not divine scripture. The things that I thought in my own relationships. What causes a loss of love? Well, we all have quirks. 
And when you're dating and when you're first married, your quirks are kind of cute. Oh, he does this. He doesn't, he does not fold his socks. Oh, that's just so cute. And now they're just annoying. Pick up the socks. One time, let me go on a rabbit trail. It's a purposeful rabbit trail. I, we were just married. And Holly was doing the laundry, and she did it well until I opened my big mouth, and then we had trouble. Did you know I sometimes open mouth, insert hip? <coughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't even do foot, no kneecap. I just go right, in, just go right into the hip. And uh, she was, some of you are going to come up to me, and you're just going to slap me. Please don't. It's only my first Sunday in 2020. So I looked at her, and in my stupidity, she was putting away my dress clothes. Well, I'm right-handed. She's left-handed. So how do you think that she put the clothes? She just stuck them on and put the buttons on the left side. Well, friends, that's not how my mama did it. And I proceeded to tell her this. And I said, did you know that my mom always put my shirts with the buttons on the right side so I can do it on my right hand and just go and undo my button shirt. She goes, great, you can do that from now on and put your own clothes away. Oh, that was a quirk that should have kept a quirk for me. I'm not painting her in a bad light. She helps me now. It just took me rupturing my Achilles attendance for her to put my clothes away. I, don't, I appreciate however she puts them away right now. All right, But sometimes what happens in our relationships is the quirks become annoyances and it makes the love grow cold. Sometimes what happens is when we have a lot of history with our relationships, the previous hurts, they continue to pile up. And that could be a, a, a sign of unforgiveness or a sign of just piling the hurts. And the one that breaks the camel's back, that is what happens. There is a comparison, and you look at your relationship, you look at your best friend, your other best friend, or, or, or another church, or another spouse, not in the wrong way, and you say, well, they don't do it that way, and you begin to compare. And you look so much on the other side, and the grass is always greener on the other side, and you begin to, to look and compare, and you look around, and guess what happens? Your love grows cold. Because the house across the street always has everything in order. Because you know the inward quirks of your own home. There is a busyness of life. Sometimes what happens is you get busy with life. You have one kid, two kids, three kids, eight kids, 10 kids, 12 kids, a life, a career, two jobs, and you get busy in life and you forget to fan that flame of love. It happens in our, our relationship with Christ, does it not? We get so busy in life, we forget to spend time with him. And then the newness has worn off. You know what this one, I almost put it on here, the honeymoon is over. You know, pretty soon you get in the first two months, you can't get off of each other. First year, oh, you're okay. Five years, you get a king-size bed because you don't want to touch them. And the newness wears off. And that's what happens with our relationship with Christ. We, we come to Christ and we, he has saved us from so much. We are so grateful for what he has done. We can't wait to spend time with him, but then this, the rhythms of life happen. And the newness wears off. And he just becomes something that we don't cherish, just something that we end up doing. That's what happens. I have this quote by MacArthur. He said it this way. He says, the loss of vital love, of a vital love relationship with the Lord Jesus, opened up the doors to spiritual apathy. Let me, let me take this to our earthly relationship and bring it back to our relationship with Christ. If I allow my love for Holly to dampen, 
then guess what happens? If I don't love her, then I start to wander. I start to look. I start to compare. I start to make criticisms that aren't done in love, just to be critical. And I lose that relationship. What happened? I lost the love. The love grew cold. Take it back to our relationship with Christ. The loss of a vital love relationship with Jesus opened the doors to spiritual apathy. Oh, if I don't love the Lord, then I start to slide. And I start to wander because the love has been cold. Indifference to others, love for the world, compromise with evil, and ultimately the death of the church altogether. What's the key? It's their loss of love. Jesus does not tell the church, you need to get moving, you need to get going, you need to do more, you need to do, you need to do. Jesus says you've done all that and you've done it well, but you've lost your love. You've lost it. That's why I titled the message this morning, What Did I Lose? I Lost Love. And it's that simple and it's that difficult. I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2. If I have faith to move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. We can be busy about Christ. We can be busy doing all the right things, and we should. But don't let us forget that we have to have love. Sometimes what happens in our relationships with one another and our relationships with our spouse is that we go through the motions and our heart is not in it. And we just end up doing it to do it. And that shows to the person we're trying to love. It shows to the person that is receiving that and the person that's doing it because we don't have love. All right, let's keep going. <clears throat> so I have the authority. I have the things that are going well. I have the things that need to change. It's just one, just love. <laughs> Just love, it's that simple and it's that difficult. But then there's some actions to take. This is what I love about this passage, is it, is it tells me what's right, it tells me what's wrong, but then it shows me what I can do to make the wrong a right. And so many times when we walk into conflict, we've hurt someone, someone comes to us and says, you've hurt me, and you say, I'm so sorry, what can I do to make it right? Well, I don't know. And I don't say that to be just with you or to, to be funny. When someone hurts us, what can I do to make it right? Well, just be sincerely sorry and don't do it again. That's an action to take. That's an action to take. So Jesus gives us an action in verses 5 and 6. Remember. Remember. Oh, remember when we were so in love and we held hands and we didn't even touch the ground. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to sit in the church service and not have room for the Holy Spirit again? Remember. Remember where you were. Remember what was done. Remember the love. Remember the sacrifice from where you have fallen. Interesting. Who's this written to? It's a church. So don't forget, church, that just because we're in church doesn't mean we don't have time for repentance. Repent means do 180. And do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. Let me make sure we understand what this is. Jesus is saying to them, hey, this is what you did right. This is what you did wrong. You better get what you did wrong right, or I'm coming to you. This is not the second coming of Christ. This is Jesus coming down to this specific church in Ephesus, and he is going to discipline them. It is like do you when you were a parent and you put your kids to bed and you said, if I come up there, I'm coming up there with 
a spoon, with a belt, with a whatever. I don't make me come up these stairs. Because if you were coming up those stairs, you were coming up and you were handing out a punishment. This is what Jesus is saying. Is he saying this to be cruel? No. He's saying this because they need to be corrected. And it is that serious. He says, repent and I'll forgive you. And if you don't, I'm going to come down and I'm going to remove, remember what lampstand is? It's his favor. I'm going to remove the favor of God from your presence. And what's the church going to accomplish if they have the favor, if, if the favor of God is left? Nothing. Nothing. You think the church got how serious this is? I think they did. Unless you what? Repent. Unless you make amends. Unless you go and say, this is what I did wrong, and I'm not going to do that again. But this you have. Oh, interesting. He went and he sandwiched it. He told them what they did right, what they did wrong, what they need to do, and then he went and reaffirmed them. So if you will, the last thing that he left them with was that he didn't leave them with that negative taste in their mouth. He left them with a positive. He says, but this you have. Hey, this is what you're doing right, again. That you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. These are a group of people that were false teachers. They, they went against the beliefs and the direction of the church. Church, hey, listen, you do not like, you hate anything that is against God and his written word. If it's not written in his word, we should not like it. We should disdain from it. We should run from it. He says, that's what you have done. And then finally, the last one is, there's the promised blessing. Interesting. Put, if I were you, I would put underneath the actions to take, I'd go 6A and put uh, what is going well times two. Again, if I could stretch that out. Because he went and affirmed them again what they were doing right. And he says, if you do this, if you repent, if you return to your first love, here's the benefit Here's the reward that you will achieve. Verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Understand what happened. They sat in some kind of building. They may have even sat in some sort of amphitheater. They could have sat in the house. And someone stood up and they read this letter to the angel of the church at Ephesus. Hey, church, we're Ephesus. Listen up. This is to us. And you know what human nature does? Randy talked about it in Sunday school, did it so well. We look at this and we say, oh, this, this, this thing, this message, I wish that John Doe would have been here because John Doe certainly needs to hear this. I wish Jane Doe would have been here. I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a blessing to them. I'm going to get a copy of the CD and I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to make sure that they hear it because they need to hear it. But you know what? John wrote this that Jesus said, and he says, he who has an ear, let him hear. Don't be so concerned about pointing out to those that need to hear it that you forget about the truth that needs to be held in your own heart. When I was younger and I pointed the finger, someone told me, when you point the finger, there's three more pointing back at you. So I've got to do three times as much before I point once to you. My mama was pretty wise. Don't be so busy pointing the finger that you miss this message 
that God has for you? Are you busy about God's work? Or have you lost your love for the Lord? He says, he who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give him to eat from the tree of life. If you repent, if you live in obedience, if you live in love, then you will receive the blessings of promise. And the tree of life is eternal life. When we live in obedience to God and his word and have the right relationship with Christ, we will receive the benefits of eternal life. The promise. A restored relationship. Is Jesus unhappy? Yes. But he's walked us through how we can take a relationship that is not right and make a relationship that is, is right. And it's only because of the blood of Jesus, his sacrifice, that we can have a right relationship with God. Three questions and then we're done. First one is, uh, have I only been going through the motions? Have I only been going through the motions? You don't love me. I, I bought you this, and I did this, and I did this. I even shoveled the snow and cleaned off your car, but your heart wasn't in it. And I don't have to beat this point in because you know, because A, you've gone through the motions when your heart isn't in it, and you've had someone go through the motions when their heart isn't in it. And so the question I have for you in your relationship with Christ, have you been only going through the motions? Second question is, have I been holding true to God's word? In 2020, if we want to be disciples, at the end of 2020, we want to be people that know how to handle God's word. And we don't know how to handle God's word if we don't spend time in God's word. We won't spend time in God's word unless we see the seriousness, importance, and love of God's word. Have I been holding true to God and his word? Because that can slowly fade away. If you've started a New Year's resolution to read your Bible, you're on day five. First five days are really easy. Let's talk in May, June, July, August, November, when it's long and it's hard. But we need to continue to hold true to God and his word. And then finally, does my love need to be rekindled? The church at Ephesus, they did all these great things. Verses 2 and 3 tell us what they did. And Jesus commended them for it. But then he says, you know what? I need your love. Let's not just go through the motions. In 2020, our first attitude that we need to work on and watch and evaluate for ourselves is, does my attitude show love for Christ? A true disciple is going to love God and need to have his heart or her heart rekindled. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Love to pray for you as your pastor. Is there anybody here this morning? Would you stick up your hand and say, would you pray for me, Tom? Because I think you hit the nail on the head. I've only been going through the motions. Would you pray for me this morning? I've only been going through the motions. I need to get things back in order. Is there anybody here this morning that says, would you pray for me? Because I need to hold true to God's word. It, it's been lacking in 2019. I need to do this in 2020. Is there anybody here this morning? See that one hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Is there anybody here this morning that says, Tom, would you pray for me because my love needs to be rekindled? I've lost my love. My love towards God has grown cold. Pray for me that my love will grow warm and burn bright for Jesus in 2020. Is there anybody here? Lord, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for how you continue to show us, you continue to teach us by the example of others, of what we are to do and what we are not to do. So help us to be busy. Help us to be laborous. Help us to be willing 
to do much labor for you and not grow weary, that we would stay true to your word, that we would hold to your word, that we would be reaching out, and we would do it with the right attitude. But Lord, also help us to be challenged to not lose our first love. Because we can do a whole lot, and yet we can miss out. So I pray, God, that you would help our love to be rekindled. Give us a hunger for your word. Because we want to be a church in Heartland on the corner. It's sitting in the middle of town. We want to be busy. We want to be reaching out. And that is so important. But Lord, we want to have a love. A love for each other, a love for our community, and a love for you and your word. So help us be a people that is love. Help us to rekindle our love for you if it has grown cold. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. <clears throat> Would you stand and sing with